ist gerade. I didn't plan to be here today. But here we are. Here we are. Do you think the Lord knows what he's doing? I do. I'm convinced he does. And I'm convinced that he has purpose. Amen? Right there where you're sitting, what I'd like you to do is to pray with me right now. And would you be willing to ask the Lord to continue to speak into your spirit and mine so that he can do what he wants to do? Are you willing to ask him that? Individually and collectively, could we ask him that? To speak into our spirit so that he can do what he wants to do. Come on, talk with him. Talk with him right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word that never fails. We thank you for the ministry of your spirit that is without fail. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of coming into your presence we thank you for the manifestation of your presence in our gathering together in worship here this morning. We need you. We need you. We need your rhema. We need the ministry of your word and spirit that can do only what you are capable of doing. We yield ourselves to you this morning. I pray among us the divine will and purpose of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we trust in you and we worship you today. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Anytime you want to go higher in the Lord, there will be unknowns. That's why it's called walking by faith. Amen? Praise God. Um, trying to decide where to start in case you're wondering what I'm doing praise God uh, let's just start in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9 thank you to the Sela congregation for Opening your doors on such short notice. If, uh, if we displaced anyone from your usual seat, please uh, don't hold it against us. And I mean that. It's wonderful to gather together. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. And uh, thankful to be here. Praise God. Isaiah 9 verse number... That's where we're going to start. Prophet Isaiah, of course, is speaking under the inspiration of the Lord. And he says, For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. He's pointing back to the Midianites, which if you were to read back in a little further back in the Old Testament there, 
You would see the reference to when the children of Israel were under captivity to Midian. You may have heard the name Gideon. Gideon is the one that the Lord used to deliver the children of Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. Remember Gideon, and it was whittled down to 300 men with pitchers that had a flame under them and trumpets. And the Lord used that small number of 300 to overthrow thousands, tens of thousands of Midianites. You may remember that story. This is what the Lord is bringing back to the memory of Israel through Isaiah here. He's reminding them that, hey, there was a time where the number was small. But it's never been an issue of how many there are when the Lord is on their side. Israel was in a place of bondage here. They were battling with Assyria. They were fearing Assyria. Assyria was a very strong military power. They were very uh, much the national or the national the international power, as it were, of that day. And, and so the Lord was speaking to Israel, and Israel could easily get caught up in that day. And you and I are no different. You and I could easily get caught up in our world today. We could get caught up in the political machine, the war machine, the news cycle. We can get caught up in all of those things. And the God of this world would try to bring fear and question and confusion and battle and even infighting in the church if he could. The God of this world would bring division. If you don't believe that, just read the news. You don't think that's God doing that, do you? It's the God of this world that would bring division. That's what he does. Why does the God of this world divide? Because if he can divide, he can destroy. And so we live in this hour. And so I want you to see the word of the Lord. The Lord is speaking to the children of Israel. And he's trying to help them remember. There was a time where you were vastly outnumbered. There was a time where it seemed like those that were against you were far greater and innumerable compared to a small number that I had down to 300 men. But by the power of God working with 300 men, I overthrew an entire army of Midian and gave you victory. He was bringing them back to that reference point. Verse number 5. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise. Hear me, if you are in a spiritual battle, and if you're part of the church, you're in a spiritual battle. And if you're not part of the church, you're in a spiritual battle that's trying to keep you from being a part of the Lord's church. Every battle. Say that with me. Every battle. It doesn't say some battles. Every battle. Someone hear this today. I don't know your battle. But every battle, individually in the church collectively, every battle of the warrior is with confused noise. 
There will be voices, there will be noise, there will be sounds coming that will try to deter or distract or confuse. It's why we must return to and stand upon the Word of God. It's the only noise, the only sound that is unwavering. It's the only sound that is always right. It's the only sound that is always true. I don't care what the media says, I don't care what... Our society says if it violates the Word of God, it does not matter. The Word of God is sure, certain, and stands. In your battle, there will be confused noise. The only way to dispel the confusion is the Word of God. Some of you are fighting battles and you're looking in all of the wrong places. You're listening to opinions of men. You're gathering news. Some of you are searching for answers on Facebook. And you're throwing junk out there hoping somebody will respond and feed your battle. Your answer is in the Word of the Lord. Every battle is with confused noise. But the battle is won when we get in the Word of God. There's battles. Battles have noise. So don't think it's strange when you're fighting a battle as a child of God and you're battling noise. Dig in the Word. Garments rolled in blood. Watch. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Verse number 6. You've heard this before, but you didn't realize those verses came before it, maybe. He's still talking about the same thing. A battle between the people of God and Assyria was the world system. It was a different government than the government God had established with Israel. And there's this battle that's taking place. And he's telling them there's going to be a deliverance. Why and how? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, The mighty God, not a mighty God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, verse 7, of the increase of His government. Everybody say government. How many of you love the government? Of the increase of His government. Whose government? This child that's going to be born. This son that's going to be given. The one who is the everlasting Father. The one who is the mighty God. The one who has the government on His shoulder. By the way, the shoulder is the place of authority. That's why military commanders wear their rank on their shoulder. It displays their authority. The government will be upon his shoulder. Verse 7. The increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Did you get that? Of the increase of his government. There shall be no end. What does that mean? That means the government of this one. Will continue to increase. The area that he governs will continue to increase. 
the area of his authority and control, that which comes under his government, will continue to increase. Not for a set time of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. It will be an eternal increasing of government. Stay with me, please, just for a little bit. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will. Everybody say will. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. If there was ever a sure word of prophecy in the word of God, this is a sure word of prophecy. This is an absolute. We live in a time of many governments. And the scripture plainly declares that Satan is the God of this world. You've heard that before. Satan is the God of this world. It's the reason why when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the wilderness and had been fasting for 40 days and praying there that Satan came and tempted him. Many of you remember this story? Satan came and tempted him. And one of the temptations, he took him to a place and he said, if you'll just worship me, I'll give you... Anybody remember what he said he'd give him? All the kingdoms of what? Of this world. Remember that? Uh Satan tempted him. If you'll just bow and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. How is it that Satan had the ability to offer to the Lord Jesus Christ all the kingdoms of this world? Notice, Jesus did not say to him, well, those aren't yours to give. Did he? Some of you are like, I don't know. He didn't. Jesus did not say, well, those aren't yours to give. Because they were his to give. He was tempting him with all the kingdoms of this world. Who do you think... Holds all the kingdoms of this world. Now I didn't say he controls them. But he holds them all. And those who will allow him to. He will manipulate. But don't worry. The word of God is firm and sure. And the scripture is certain. The hearts of kings the Lord holds in his hand. To turn them whithersoever he will. But Satan is the God of this world, and so the kingdoms of this world are under his purvey. Of course, everything is under the authority of God, even Satan. So we have all of these governments in the world. The United States is one of them. And there are many governments under governments, right? Yakima is a government. Union Gap has a government. Sila has a government. There's all these governments. Now I'm talking about natural things at a moment. But we understand as sure as there are natural governments, there are spiritual 
governments. You understand this? There are spiritual authorities. A government is anything in simple terms, anything that governs, anything that has authority, anything that directs and dictates. We all operate under the government of these United States to some degree, yes? Anybody get a paycheck and say, I don't pay my taxes, and if they come get me, who cares? Don't raise your hand if that's you. Why is that? Because whether we like it or not, we are under a government. And we have a responsibility to obey the laws of the land. Some of you are sitting here and you're going, what in the world does this have to do with me and my walk with God in this scripture that I just read? It has everything to do with where you are. Now watch, I'm trying to hurry. I really am. This is so important for somebody. If you look through Scripture in the Old Testament swiftly, you find, of course, God's plan was to govern man. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. We put Adam in the garden. Gave him dominion over everything in it, all the fowl of the earth, everything that creeps on the earth. Read it, it's in there. He gave man dominion over all of those things. He intended for man to govern his creation. But he also intended for man to come under God's authority. God would govern man. That's why he gave Adam one condition. And Eve, don't eat of this tree. That was the one thing that established God's authority in their life. They had to have a place where God governed in their life. And so the tree was the place where God governed. God said, you can't... If the Lord would have said, eat anything, do whatever you want, you got all dominion... God would have had no governance over their lives. And so the tree became the place of governance of God over their life. They had all dominion as long as they stayed submitted to God's governance. Now think about this with me for just a minute. If I told any one of you in this room, you have all dominion, you have all authority... Over everything that creeps on the earth, everything on the earth, you can eat of anything here. The only rule I have for you is one small, simple rule. This is it. Don't eat of this tree. That's it. That's it. Don't eat of this tree. Well, you understand. Anybody think you could handle that rule? Anybody? My hand's not up. I'm just... Oh, everybody's like, nope, I'm not either then. (laughs) Even with one simple rule and all of that authority and all of that dominion, man couldn't remain under God's governance. Why? I'll tell you why. The God of this world. Remember the story? The God of this world came... And tempted Adam and Eve to get them to give up their authority. He deceived them so that they would step out from under 
the governance of God and become subject to the kingdoms of this world. This was the plan of Satan. If I can't be God in heaven, which got him kicked out, desiring to take the glory of God, then I'll become God where I'm the God of this world. And I'll convince individuals that they don't need to be under God's governance. And the moment they'll step out from under God's governance, they won't even realize it, but they'll be under my governance. And you may be able to sit here today and say, well, you know what? I'm not under nobody's governance. Well, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You understand if I'm living according to my own self and my own will, I'm clearly under Satan's governance. I'm not trying to be unkind today. I can give you a lot of scripture for that one statement right there. I'm not living for an earthly kingdom. We're called to live for an everlasting kingdom. And so we have to make choices in our life where we determine which government am I coming under? Am I going to allow God, His Spirit, and His Word to govern my life? Or am I going to continue to, under deception, think I'm governing my own life? You realize, if I'm governing my own life, that's what's called iniquity. That's living according to my will rather than the will of God. We find a place in Scripture where it was on the day of judgment. And the Lord spoke to some and they were, the Lord was dealing with them and judging them. And they made the statement to Him. They said, Lord, in Your name we have cast out devils. In Your name we have healed the sick. In Your name we have raised the dead. And in Your name, Lord, we have done many mighty works. And the Lord said to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. You that work iniquity. What were they doing? They were living for God, but God was not governing their life. They were making their own choices, and God was part of their life when it was convenient. But God was not governing their life every day that they lived. That's iniquity. Self-willed. Self-governed. Now, I'm not going to say I'm hurrying anymore. If you have to go, you can go. But we have to go somewhere here today. And so, Adam and Eve, we see the result of self-governance. In a moment, stepping out from under the government, they had a good thing and they blew it. See, the deception is that God governing my life means He's controlling me and I've got all this bondage and there's no liberty. Are you kidding me? I have such great liberty. He makes all the choices. I just have to do what He says. 
I, one of my children, I, won't, I, have, I have three children, so you, you, I won't name them. One of my children, they're all of adult age now. And one of them made the statement to me at one point. We were talking about life. You know, life starts happening when you become an adult. One of them made the statement to me, Dad, I don't like adulting. Yeah, this adulting stuff is hard. You know what they were saying? We talked a little more. They were realizing, you know what? I may have thought things were terrible when you and mom were always telling me what to do and taking me places and had to eat what you put on the table and had to be home when you said be home. But man, when I'm out here on my own and I've got to figure out, I think maybe what I had with you and mom at home wasn't so bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I may not have been governing my own life, but I was eating square meals every day. I may not have been governing my own life, but I really didn't wake up wondering, you know, what are they serving in the cafeteria today? See, there's, there's an element of governance that brings liberty. And it brings peace. Now, that's a small example just to help us make a point. When the Lord is governing our life, He is our Heavenly Father. Right? The increase of His government. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. So He wants to govern mine and your life. But here's the thing. He doesn't govern in harsh, sorry, doesn't govern in harsh, dictatorial ways. He governs from a place of unconditional love. Where what He does and asks of you and I, while it may seem difficult or painful at times, it's the love of the Father that's trying to govern my life because He understands what He wants for you and I and He knows the end from the beginning because He exists across all of time. And so He says, I want to govern your life. And He gives this picture. He has a government that will increase and there will be no end. And so here's the thing. Do you think that the adversary likes these scriptures? <laughs> of course not. What would you think if all the kingdoms of the world belonged to you and then you heard the prophetic utterance of the mighty God? And the prophetic utterance of the mighty God declared, I promise you, Satan knows exactly what this book says. And he heard the declaration, the government will be on his shoulder. And it's not just some second person in a Godhead. This is the mighty God. The government will be on His shoulder. And not only is He going to have a government, He's going to have the government that will increase without end. That means, Satan, your government's under siege. Your kingdoms will fall. There will be a rising and an increase of the government of God that will overtake the kingdoms and the God of this world. This is the plan of God. Now, 
You've got to see this throughout Scripture. This is God's plan throughout the Word. We're not just grabbing a verse out of Scripture this morning. This is God's design plan for you and I and His church. So we have these Old Testament Scriptures. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings. Remember those books? Some Bibles it's called 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Kings. But you got the idea. It's all right there. All these kings reigning... Israel with these kings. What happened? There was just prophet. Remember Samuel? Samuel was the prophet given of the Lord. He was the voice of God to the people of God. No king. All the other kingdoms and governments around the children of Israel had kings. Earthly governments. You with me? Samuel wasn't earthly government. Samuel was spiritual government. He was the prophet of God for the people of God. But Israel... God's chosen people begin looking at earthly governments all around them and begin comparing their situation to situations of the world and begin looking and saying, I wish we had an earthly government. I wish we had an earthly king like the other earthly governments all around us. And it grieved the heart of Samuel, the man of God, the prophet of God. And Samuel cries before the Lord. And the Lord speaks these words to Samuel. Samuel, they have not rejected you. Samuel, they have rejected me from being king. This is the word of the Lord to Samuel, the prophet of God, who has the oversight of the children of Israel. Samuel, they're asking for an earthly king. Not because they're rejecting you as a prophet. They're rejecting me as their king, their governance. You see this. And so, through the next hundreds of years, we watch the children of Israel with earthly kings. Some following God, some not following God. When they're following God, there's blessing, there's favor, there's victory. When they're not following God, there's turmoil, there's bondage, there's chaos. Till ultimately it costs them and their children and their children's children. Till they spent 400 years in captivity. I'm not talking about Egypt. That was the first 400. I'm talking about Babylon. This was the pattern. Whenever they came out from under God's governance and went under the governance of men, God said, the only way I can bring them back to my governance is cause them to see what the governance of this world does. It puts them in bondage. The governance of this world will bind them. They'll have no liberties. They'll have no victories. Anything they get will not be their own. It will belong to those that have governance over them. God was showing them this through bondage. And what would happen in their bondage to earthly governments? We would see the children of Israel in humility, in brokenness, in despair. All of a sudden, somebody, a prophet of God, because the Lord never removed His prophet. Even in bondage, God kept a prophet there. That's what all those minor and major prophets are in the Old Testament. Different prophets that were there at different times during these kingdoms. Throughout it all, God kept a prophet there. And the prophet continued to remind them of the authority of God, of the Word of God. And those that would could hear the voice of God and could align with God's voice, align with God's government. 
and they begin to hear from God and they would cry out to God in their despair and in their recognition that they'd made error in going under the governance of men and they would begin to cry out to their king again and God would bring rescue. God would bring help. God would bring deliverance and would reveal to them again the power of the governance of God. But the Lord in His infinite wisdom knew this pattern was going to continue because we're human. And so through the prophet Isaiah, he's talking about the bondage of Assyria, but he's dealing with the future. We know, of course, this is prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ coming. We always quote verse 6 at Christmas, but we miss the rest of the context. The Lord spoke to the children of Israel. Showing a way I'm going to break this pattern. Did you catch that? The Lord showed a way through this prophecy. I'm going to break this pattern of people falling under earthly governance. I'm going to give them a way that you can be free from the bondage of earthly kingdoms and you can walk in spiritual authority and dominion in the earth. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. And I'm going to come and dwell among you. This is the plan of God. I'm going to send a child unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Why is it that when Christ was born. And the wise men came. When he was a little bit shy of two years old. Yes, they didn't show up at the manger. Even though that's where you put them at the nativity scene. The wise men didn't come then. Sorry, a little pet peeve of mine. I just prefer what the Bible teaches rather than what tradition teaches. The wise men weren't there at the manger when he was born. They came a little bit later. And so, here, some of you, some of you are having trouble right now with that. I know, but that's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw you a curveball, but just study the book. But they, the wise men did come. However many there were, we don't know, but they showed up with their gifts. And Herod, they were asking him, where is this kid that's born? Herod represented the earthly government of the day. But he wasn't under God's authority. He was operating under the king of this world, the God of this world. And so Herod, when he heard there could be another king, felt the threatening of his kingdom. Even though it was a child. And so we know the story. What did Herod do? He said, I want every child under the age of two years to be killed. Every child, every male child that is born under the age of two, I want them killed. And a great wailing went out throughout the land of Israel because of all these children that were destroyed. What was he trying to do? The adversary, the God of this world, was trying to keep this child. This child on whom the government sat. This child of whose government there would be an increase without end. The adversary was trying to find a way to keep that from taking place. Of course he couldn't. And when Jesus Christ came and his ministry began. 
Anybody know what the scripture says he began to preach? It's no wonder. And he began preaching the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom. It didn't say he came preaching heaven and hell. He talked about those things. It doesn't say he came preaching holiness. He talked about those things. He came preaching the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the place where the king has dominion. It's the place where the king has authority. So Jesus came preaching his kingdom. A place where he would be the governor of all. You and I live in a day and in a time where there are spiritual governments not of God. That are opposing the children of God and the church of God. We have many of them right here in this region where we are. We don't fear them. We have God ordained authority over them. The Lord has chosen for a season that they would coexist. But His government's increasing. Without end. So how is it that I come under this governance? Simple. We find from the Lord, as He preached the kingdom of God, He said, the kingdom of God is not here or there. It's not a place. It's not some location physically or geographically. He said the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. What was he saying? He was saying if you're going to come under my governance, you're going to have to allow me to live inside of you. You're either going to allow me to have dominion in your life and rule and reign in the throne of your heart or not. This is where the kingdom is. Who has governance in my life is determined by who sits on the throne of my heart. The increase of his government is coming again and again. It's continuing increasing because he is continuing to fill people with the baptism of his spirit. He is continuing to pour out the Holy Ghost upon hearts and lives. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and takes up residence upon the throne of my heart. The purpose for receiving the Holy Ghost is so that you and I come under the governance of God. But then we're faced with a choice because God always gives us choice. He doesn't force His will on us. He doesn't force His government on us. Oh, there will come a day. There will come a day that every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. But it's not that day yet. Until that day, we continue to have choice. And so He fills you and I with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the beginning of His government in our lives. John chapter 14, Jesus told His disciples... He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He was not talking about heaven. I know he wasn't talking about heaven because I read the rest of the chapter. 
If he was talking about heaven, the rest of the chapter doesn't make sense. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Where was he? He said, I go to the Father. And then he said, I'm the way to the Father. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get to the Father under the authority of the Father, the governance of the Father, is if you go through Jesus Christ. He went on in that same chapter. He made this statement. He said, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, if you search that scripture out. He was speaking of the Holy Ghost. When you're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I know many of you have heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. When you're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's not so you have some ticket that says, I got my get to heaven card. When we are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is so the King can rule and reign in our lives and govern our lives. He chooses where we go. He chooses who we spend time with. He governs our lives. I did not plan to be here this morning, but here we are. Some of you are saying, and I wish we were done. But He governs our lives if we let Him. There's some that have this attitude, nobody's telling me what to do. That's probably not going to work well in your relationship with God. Because that's pride. The Lord intends... For you and I to walk in spiritual authority every day that we live. But we can't do this. Okay, I'm in. Oh, I'm out. Okay, today, God, what do you want? No, you know, I'm living my own life today. Okay, God, what are you? You know what? I'm going to do my own thing today. And we, this vacillating between God governing and directing my life and me governing and directing my life. He wants to govern your life. And hear me. Every government of this world is subject to His authority. Every government of this world. The battles you face in your walk with God. It's the authorities of this world. Trying to dissuade you from staying submitted to the authority of God and letting it govern your life. And the enemy doesn't care if he can find some way. He'll use money. He'll use power. He'll use greed. He'll use jobs. He'll use, you name it. He'll use anything he can to try to dissuade you from allowing God to govern your life. Stand with me today.
It is an ever-increasing government. The authority of God operative in, with, and through the life of the people of God. It's the reason the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 8 said, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many as come to church every Sunday and pay their tithes and go through the motions and worship at the right songs and show up and do check their... No, that's not it. Well, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I thank God for that with all of my heart. I thank God for that. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is not governing your life, If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is not governing your life, the Holy Ghost won't save you. I know some of you don't like that. You can't have it both ways. I can't be filled with His Spirit and then say, Thank you for your Spirit. Now I'm going to live my life. My mind goes to the Scripture where Israel was in trouble when they were fighting a battle. Imagine that. They were fighting a battle and they were in trouble. And they sent word back. Get the ark. Send the ark of the covenant. It will save us. They were battling the Philistines. Get the Ark of the Covenant. It will save us. So in their zeal and their focus, because you know the Ark of the Covenant, when the, when the atonement took place, the glory of the Lord would come down over the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, that represented the glory of God, the power of God. Get the Ark. It will save us. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield. It didn't make any difference at all. They were destroyed at the hand of the Philistines because it will not save us. It's the power of God when we yield to His power and follow His instruction that we find ourselves saved. I can be filled with the Holy Ghost and as lost as lost can be. Someone, I'm not trying to say this in anger or frustration. I hope you know the Lord is reaching for your soul. Don't be deceived. If the Spirit of God does not govern my life, I'm not under His government. I'm under something else. And that which governs me will rule my life and will determine my eternal destination. How is it? How is it that Judas... How is it that he walked with God... For three and a half years, Brother Joel. How is it that he went out with the 70, raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils? How is it that he witnessed all these things? How is it that he sat with Jesus and saw the miracles, heard the teaching, and then when it came time, he was lost? How did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Iniquity. Read the scripture. 
Acts chapter 1. They were casting lots to get someone to take Judas' place. They said, Judas, by transgression fell, that he might receive the reward. What was the reward? The reward of iniquity. He was with God three and a half years. Walked with God. Talked with God. Did miracles by the authority of God. Had God no doubt put His hand upon Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Scripture says, by transgression He fell and received the reward of iniquity. Why? That He might go to His own place. Why was it called His own place? I'll tell you why it was called His own place. Because it was the place He chose when He chose to govern His own life rather than allow God to govern His life. Precious people of God. This plan of God for a government that's ever increasing is designed to ever increase through the lives of people when He makes His throne upon the place of your heart and mind. And when another life says, Here I am, Lord. Live, rule, and reign in me. I'm done making my own choices. I've made a mess of it. Direct my life today. Direct every facet of my life today. It's the increasing of His government. I'm opening this altar to you to give you a chance to respond to Him. Would you find a place between you and the Lord? And if there's any question of who's governing in your life, would you be willing to allow... Please don't walk away in self-will. I understand we can't do this in our own effort and own abilities. It takes a work of the Spirit. But by His Spirit, He will rule and reign in our lives. This is the plan of God. And He'll give you authority and dominion. He can break the bonds of sin that would hold you captive. He can break the bonds of iniquity that would hold you captive. And you can walk in power and dominion and authority. Come on, as you're praying, I want some of you to hear me today. There are spiritual battles that are coming against you. Don't despair. Don't be afraid. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. There is an authority and a dominion given you by the Holy Ghost. It's greater than any spiritual opposition in these valleys. It's greater than any government in these valleys. There's an authority given by the Spirit of God. It's a government that's continuing to increase. It will increase in you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
say, I just don't know what to do. It's simple. Just begin reaching to Him. Begin talking to Him in transparent honesty. Here I am, Lord. I want You ruling and reigning in my life. If need be, I repent, Father. I repent before You where I've made my own choices, lived according to my own will, walked after my own desires. In Jesus' name. Come on, no regret here. In repentance before God, He'll forgive and He'll govern. It's just simply yielding and saying, Here I am, govern, Lord.
for a few men if you would to gather around brother Tim Sanchez and pray for him I don't know anything about anything but I feel like we should pray for him some of you men brother Tim I don't mean to put you on the spot but I believe the Lord wants to minister to you right now let's pray church 